This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 170. Today on our show, Greg Martini returns. I see this thing, and it's completely skinned, so I'm starting to think about that, and then I go up the path of it, and I find a footprint. A humanoid footprint that's a little odd for a human foot, but essentially all the tracks that have been found, for the most part, they don't resemble anything like a monkey. These are more humanoid, but they're always just extremely large. Now, you know Greg off of drumming. He is the drummer in G, your band smells terrific. He was also in Gravy 8 and Birdhouse. But today we're going to talk about something different. Now, last time when he was here, he talked about being a musician. And uh, at the very end, he mentioned in passing something about Bigfoot. And I remembered seeing on his Facebook page something about this. So we decided to have him back to talk about that. Are large mysterious creatures roaming the woods of the tri-state? We discuss. Oh, and on the other side, a sound clip of a possible Sasquatch sent to me by Greg. All right, so stay tuned for that. Now, if you've been liking the podcast, you can help support it via PayPal or Venmo. Simply use podcast at cincyshirts.com and chip in whatever you feel is fair. Also, be sure to listen for that special promo code for 20% off to the end of the episode. Now, let's talk about Sasquatch in Ohio with Greg Martini. Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati. So last time you were on, uh, at the very end of the interview, you tantalized us with a little Bigfoot talk, and I remember seeing some posts occasionally on Facebook about you kind of traipsing around the woods looking for odd creatures. I didn't know if this was a serious thing of yours, but we were already up the top of the hour, and we said, well, we'll discuss this some other time. So this is that other time. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, I'm a serious traipser, let's put it that way. So, yeah, I'm pretty involved in the topic, and, uh, you know, it's funny. I had a guy over here setting up my, uh, resetting my internet, and he was looking over my shoulder and saw this, and, uh, <laughs> you know, it's funny when I... I kind of approach a topic like religion in that I don't. <laughs> so, <laughs> but one of my missions right now is to talk about it more, and I'll, I'll get into that a little bit later. But uh, yeah, typically you bring it up and people's eyes, they kind of avert your gaze. And, you know, so um, I've kind of kind of got past, like, talked about a lot or convinced anybody. I've got my little circle, like my two kids, Jamie, my wife, and some of the people, but, but yeah, I guess, I guess I could tell you about my path. Yeah, say, so how did, the, how did this interest, because I've, I've been interested okay. in this kind all these kind of things since I was a kid in the 70s, and I, you know, would buy all yeah. these different books and stuff, and, you know, not just Bigfoot, but, you know, uh, UFOs and Loch Ness Monster and all that other stuff, so where does your interest in this begin? Yeah, and, and to, to get to that point, I'm also interested in those phenomena all that stuff, all those phenomenons. I think I said it right. So I interest began just like yours, you know, with the things going on as kids and, and seeing the films and documentaries like Legend of Bike Creek and get the occasional paranormal show in search of. And, yeah, and I was going to ask you. <laughs> yeah, then you see the um, Patterson-Gimlin footage of you know, the, the classic striding Bigfoot, you know, filmed. It's very clear, it's very spooky, and of course it's been a topic of lots of speculation. Immediately I'm just, first I'm, I'm thunderstruck and then I'm horror-struck because it's like, oh my gosh. But then, it's like, well, this all happens out in California or the Northwest, we're good. And as a kid, we camped a lot, drove to Indiana like every weekend in the summer, and I, you know, you sit in the car and listen to the radio and you gaze the tree line like, oh, I kind of wish that was happening here, which is funny because what I didn't realize until much later is like, yes, it's actually happening everywhere, uh, not just nationally, but worldwide. And of course, in the 70s, everyone knew about the abominable snowman and, you know, there had to be a connection, whatnot. So read the books and all that. And then lo and behold, here comes the internet. And, you know, it's 
then it opens everything up. And I start doing a little research, and obviously one of the first things I find out is the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization, or the BFO, BFRO.net, and obviously they're using the Internet for what it's supposed to be, a way for scientists, educators, people interested in the topic to communicate. And a little background on that, the BFRO was started by Matt Moneymaker, who's one of the four people in Finding Bigfoot, he kind of leads that up. But you know, his start was really basically his own personal interest, and he still has captured one of the best audio recordings um, ever, and it's from Ohio in Columbia County. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I started reading about that, and basically that organization is uh, lots of scientists, educators, people taking in reports and then following up with investigations. And they classify all reports as A, being like a visual sighting, B, being more or less. There was something else, sound, maybe a sketchy visual sighting. There's footprints. And then C, a little bit, little bit more of like, eh, it could happen, it might not have. So I started looking at all the different you know, reports and sightings and whatnot from, they have a map set up. And so what, what has come to be learned is that Ohio has probably, in fact, it does have the per state has the most Sasquatch big sightings east of the Mississippi. And it's one of the bigger states in the country, which is like, wow. So then everything for me is like, wow. (laughs) So I start looking into it, following up with some reports doing some just getting out in the woods more so salt fork lake which is that area just kind of that, that lake is the state park well, maybe it's a national park but anyway salt fork lake park is east of columbus and it's kind of a hotbed for the sightings and i thought well if i'm going to spend my time doing this i should you know go right to where everything's happening so i'm driving to a friend's wedding how long ago was it? 15 years ago or so in um, Coshocton. I decided to take the backwards. And I'm driving up through north, southeast to middle east Ohio. I was never aware that there was so much countryside, literally bereft of even farms. I mean, I'm on roads and it's like literally nothing, forests and fields. And um, so on the way up, I have got these flyers printed out that I staple on, you know, telephone poles and whatnot along the way. It's basically, I drew this kind of like silhouette of, you know, Sasquatch kind of in stride. And I like, have you seen me? And I put my phone number on there. Hmm. So I go up, I do the wedding. Some of the guys in the wedding party find my flyer and they're calling me with their reports. But I do get a call from a guy named Doug Holler. H-A-L-L-E-R, he's a librarian and he's been investigating this topic for years and we talk and talk and talk and I'm finding out more information, we're talking about the BFRO organization and, you know, how that area is kind of a hotbed, so in one of these many, many shows about the topic I don't know if you've ever seen or anyone's seen Monster Quest, that's on A&E have you checked any of those out? No. Um, I can probably find those on Pluto, though, because Pluto runs a lot of the old A&E shows. So I will uh, yeah, I'll yeah. check that out and let people know on the other side. So it covers the gamut of all the different, you know, cryptids from uh, lake monsters to the Jersey Devil, whatnot. And of course, Bigfoot's really big. And um, I remember watching it, and one of the episodes was the Ohio Grassman. Now, for anyone not um, really into the topic, you basically have this one same species of creature as things are spread across the United States. They take on different visual manifestations in terms of size, coloring, the facial expressions, the facial, actual facial structure, so to speak, and what they're called. And in Ohio, they're known as a grass man because they've been seeing in fields. You go to some state that's the, the corn monster, and it's basically you see them in cornfields. So, so their topic on this monster quest was the Ohio grass man, you know, and they've got the, you know, the, <laughs> the narrator with, you know, playing up all the drama and whatnot. So in a good portion of it, there's this couple that they've been together a long, long time, and, and the woman uh, has had 
two encounters and the man in uh, one when he was a, a young guy. And you, they talk about their lives like their, their grandparents parental age and they're spending all their weekends, you know, in their camper driving around, going to different conferences and park a lot in Fort Lake. And what happens when a person has an encounter is typically this is fascination. Because you're you're basically seeing something that doesn't exist. You're seeing a unicorn or, you know, whatever. It, it really takes hold with people for the most part. What I've been finding out from I think it's more and more. It's a lot of people want nothing to do with them again, um, just because it can be so scary. And I want to get into that a little, bit, a little bit later. So as I'm talking to this Doug Holler guy, the librarian up in Ohio, we start talking about this couple. He goes, "Oh yeah, you know what? You uh, you go to South Fort Lake pretty much every weekend. They're already parked. They're always parked in the uh, handicapped picnic area." And he says, "Kind of sad. Sometime in, I guess it was." May 2010, I go up to Fort Lake and I do my explorations. I'm, I'm hiking. I like to hike horse paths just to get off the beaten path and exploring little, little crevices and caves and whatnot I find. And, and so towards the end of the day, I drive into that picnic area and there they are. And this camper, it's got like, you know, Bigfoot pictures all over it and got a camera on the outside and I go and introduce myself and couldn't have been any nicer people and the sun's going down they invite me to come over sit in their campfire and they start telling me stories of their own encounters and, and things they've heard and it's blowing my mind I'm really starting to get into the topic more and more so essentially they sit every weekend and the sad thing about it, according to some, is like, you know, they have this whole family grandkid that they just don't see because they're so consumed by this topic. And I don't think, I don't think they've seen anything since in terms of, you know, what they've both experienced. But what was interesting is, so we're, we're sitting there and, and a lot of, they're there because a lot of sightings do take place in that particular area. And they're telling me these stories and creeping me the hell out and, Right about towards the end of the evening, there comes this really large growl from the tree line. And they're like, well, you know, they've heard coyotes, they've heard bobcat and whatnot. And it, it, it couldn't quite tell what it was. And I always chalk everything up to like, well, that's pretty much, that's kind of invalid until we really know what's going on. But it really freaked me out. And I had like crossed the, the parking lot to my car and I got back. And, uh, but it's interesting. The, the man's story was he was living in Dublin, Ohio. Again, his testament to everything that happened in Ohio when it was just being developed. So his sub, little house suburb is on the fringe of the country. And he said he was pulling out of this driveway. He was like a, a young adult or a late teenager and he was driving this VW. Pulls out, ready to go. And he noticed it looked like this tree trunk on the edge of his yard. He's like, we have a tree trunk. And he's look, looks at it again. And this thing stands up. And what it was, was a Sasquatch sitting down with its knees pulled up. And he said it stood up and it was at least five feet higher than the VW and it just walked off. And from there, he was just freaked out, smitten, whatever. That was his encounter and he's not seen one since and he just keeps looking and looking. So it was interesting to go up there, meet them, hear their stories as they travel to different conferences. They kind of avoid the limelight because there are a lot of I don't know. It's an interesting, it's an interesting group that makes up people interested in the topic from people who are more or less just interested or fans and people who try to look into things and in the same way. I try to avoid, I don't know, I guess what you might say, a bunch of kooks every now and then. I yeah, don't know. Yeah. It's, it's weird. So they kind of wise a lot of things. And I, I guess it was kind of it. I went to East Fork Lake, hiked around. I'm not really sure I was going to find or, you know, even how I was going to approach things, but. As I look at reports from BFR.net, I try to take note of like when sightings happen, during time, the time of year, you know, time of day, all that kind of stuff. So in 2015, I took my youngest to Hocking Hills to the Primitive Campsite. They've got set up their, their main park. And we experienced something I, that was going to kind of change the way I looked at my involvement in this. So we got our tent set up and we just we basically leave the camping area, which is 
pretty isolated from everything else. It's it's not you know the big normal camping area where you can pull up with your your campers and stuff. You have to park in the parking lot and hike about a quarter of a mile to your the site that you reserved. Get our tent set up. We decided to just go into the woods. We're not even going on trail. We're just going up and down over hills. And we come to the bottom of this little valley, and there's this weird kind of construction of branches. Like, not really a... The best way I can describe it was kind of a nest. And it was, like, piled up around a tree, and you could kind of crawl underneath it. And I thought, this is the worst hunting blind I've ever seen. I didn't really know what to make of it, and I started remembering I'd read about how... A lot of times, near some sightings, people would find tree structures. And I started thinking, maybe this is one of them. So as this is happening, my son's got really great hearing and me having drummer's ears. Huh. And we, we can hear, he can hear someone walking around the top of the hill. And we fly on up there and stop. There's no one up there. And then he can hear it like at the next hill. And it's going further and further away from the camp. And we thought that was kind of odd. So I got pictures of this thing. I contacted BFRO.net. I actually have one of the Ohio investigators correspond with me. And he's like, yeah, it's very similar to a lot of structures people associate with Bigfoot. So now I'm like, okay, that's interesting. So my next point of evolution in all this is I somehow come across a YouTuber goes by the name of YouTube Sasquatch. And he's a young ex military guy, very involved with kids and helping them get out and explore and teach them about the woods and he's kind of a survivalist. So he'll take different camps and parties on little trips. And he's really gotten into the topic of Sasquatch structures and to the point where He's identified different kinds, and just to the layperson, these could involve really large trees that are put in the formation of a lot of times big X's. You've got really large teepee structures. You've got more lean-to kind of things. You've got like these little nests I found, and then there you can find these like where he's found in like the top of the Rockies to near actually public parks and there's a there's a similar similarity to them it's just kind of very odd and so i started watching all his videos and what he started to realize is like these things are a lot closer to us than we think and so watched about every video he had in the topic and then he kind of got out of the whole phenomena overall so i start and I've been, you know, getting out and about, out, out, out. Then I start thinking, well, let's start looking around places, you know, closer to me. Another important thing is to remember that these things supposedly travel along water routes, which makes a lot of sense. And and the way the sightings have happened, it's pretty much well known that they're nomadic. I don't know what, at one point should I start getting into what I think about them, but I guess I'm just, I'll continue on my path, so to speak, about yeah, how I got into this. Yeah, right. exactly. So there was a pivotal moment with me where it was kind of like, oh, okay. When was this? Three or four years ago. Um, and I'm just going to mention where I found this, and, I, and, and people can think what they want to think. So I've been, I live in the eastern side of Cincinnati, and I've always gone to Alt Park to hike. And I, after all this starts to come light, I remember like, Oh, I see all these structures these kids were making in all park. So I start going to all park a lot and I, I'm starting to see these occasional like lean to. And the more I go up there, the more I start seeing more and more of these. I start seeing more of these kind of way off the beaten path, like off trails. And I've actually talked to kids who have been there and said, Oh, we made this, we made that. So it's been a bit of a discouraging exploration. In terms of like, I would find things that look clearly like nothing a kid would make. There's nothing you can get inside of. They're strange. Just I'll just put it that way. They're strange. At this time, I'm also doing some exploration in Columbus. I got a brother lives up there, and I'll drive up. He was taking care of my dad for a while, and I've also got a 
house in Michigan that my wife shares with her family, and I've gone exploring up there. So what I've been finding over the years are structures, cheapy type things. They're just kind of really weird and amazing. And I'm finding a similarity in trails near Traverse City. I've gone into the woods like an hour where there's no trail at all, finding them there, finding them in weird parts of net, uh, state parks in, in, around Columbus, all over, finding all these similar things. But then again, I know I, I've got these kids who they said they made a couple and they've shown me the ones they've made. And they're always like this, the very kind of simple lean to kind of things. It was about this time of year. 2021, three or four years ago. So I decided to go to All Park and I'm kind of weird. I love trail hiking. I like trail hiking when it's raining. I, I like to see, you know, the, the creeks and fill up and the waterfalls and all that. So I'm, I'm, I had an All Park. It's early in the morning on a Saturday, early like 9 30, 10, early for a lot of people. And it's raining and it starts to let up and I'm, I'm the only one out there. And I'm on kind of um kind of a secondary trail and I'm running up this hill and I come across this deer leg, like just like the whole leg except for the foot. And it's been broken off, like snapped. And I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe deer broke it. I don't know. And I had heard stories about how these things basically, you know, they're omnivores. Deer is obviously one of their big sources of food and they've been known just to like people have found they've seen this happen actually some witnesses that just snap a deer's leg off and uh it's really kind of horrible i feel bad for the deer that's a whole other topic but um i see this thing and it's completely skinned and so i'm starting to think about that and then i go up the path of it and i find a footprint a humanoid footprint it's a little odd for a human split but essentially all the tracks that have been found for the most part they don't resemble anything like a monkey they're more humanoid but they're always just extremely large and the one difference is between our feet and their feet is there's a break like just below the toe line that these things have i couldn't tell in this because it was somewhat gravel but this thing was got a picture of it next to my foot, and it's at least not the biggest footprint, but like 14, 15 inches, and it's a barefoot print, and which is really odd, you know, because I'm thinking who's running around, you know, like in May, all park and leaves one footprint, which is something they're going to do. Like people say, well, there'll be a trail that it just stops, or there's one print and that's it. Um, there's a theory that they are very careful about leaving prints, and they try not to because they know about us. We know about them. It's one of those deals. The other thing, too, is this print was down about three-quarters of an inch into this muddy gravel, and I jumped up and down, up and down. I couldn't make a dent in this thing, and there were toe marks. So now I'm looking at all park going, you know what? I think I've got something here, and I've shared the photos of this print with people on like a state and a national level and like yeah that's pretty much one of the prints so now i've got to look at this differently and i you know and obviously all park runs up alongside the little miami and i've been sightings up and down the miami from loveland on up to where the river begins so so kind of was a big change for me in terms of you know, i've got something that i consider evidence and uh, I don't know, it was just really interesting. And I've been lucky to align myself with people in the realm of things who are like smart, normal people. And they've done a lot of research and they've been able to verify a lot of, a lot of things I've experienced. So I feel a little bit better about what I'm finding. And it's just really interesting. I don't know. So I'm, I'm, I'm really big into finding structures. I'd obviously like to have probably a sighting or some kind of experience and I'm learning it's probably easier to do that than most people think there's depending on where you live you don't often have to go too far so I was going to say what what part of Ohio are, are most of the sightings in although you say there's some in the Cincinnati area but what if you really wanted to have a good chance southeast Ohio like you were saying Hawking Hills what's yeah yeah Hawking Hills 
definitely sought forth late part. And then I mean, you got to look at this from a probability standpoint too. There are a lot of people in that part looking around. So you've got more people looking for things. Doesn't always mean there are more of those things there, but just the landscape of Ohio is just great for this. You've got hills, lots of forests. You know, this is, everyone thinks, oh, it's got to be like Canada or the Northwest where it's, where it's just gobs of forested land and, you know, they can just disappear there. And that's true. That's a very big mainstay for these things. And I'll mention this. There's historical records of towns when they're being built. There are always encounters of the wild man. Lewis and Clark um, in the diaries, they write about encountering one of these things. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt was out in California on a trip, and he writes about his encounter. You know, and a lot of this stuff gets forgotten about, but, you know, it's a, a lot of it's nomenclature. It's the wild man of the woods, or it's just some other name. But when it comes right down to it, the descriptions of these things hasn't really changed over all this time. So, yeah, any um, East Ohio, lots of farms. A lot of people having experiences with things are people live on farms hunters obviously so and i will mention for anyone that's interested in this to go to the bfr.net but primarily there's a great podcast just like t-shirts but on the topic of sasquatch called sasquatch chronicles and this has been around for about six years and it's really just wes who operates this out of washington just lets people come on and tell the stories and it all started with him and his brother having an encounter, a very scary encounter. And this is something else I should I should want to get into is, you know, there's this idea that, you know, your encounter is going to be this wonderful, lovable nature, I don't know, um, wahoo kind of experience. Like the $6 million but, man, you're going to become buddies. Yeah, or <laughs> Harry and the Hendersons, which... Yeah, um, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And honestly, that the, when they did the research for that movie, they were they got a lot of things right. But oh, who knew? But what we're dealing with is basically, depending on what part of the country you're in, you know, anything from a foot to ten foot to maybe twelve foot tall, really large, angry predator. They're not fans of people, and it just comes by way of development and encroachment, and it's 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 not. For the most part, not a good experience. Yeah, so it, I, I go into this really with kind of a little hesitation, and there there are reports of people being uh, killed or people going missing. And um, oh wow, there's a phenomenon too that people should look into. A really exciting, scary thing called missing four one one, and it's about all the people who've gone missing in our national parks. Oh, I've heard very very yeah, I've heard um, about this. You've yeah, heard that right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, David Polidis, I never get his name right, but he's a ex-cop who started this. And there's something going on. And there's obviously a cover-up going on. And he doesn't ever come out and say this is all about Sasquatch. But when you start to hear about how people have gone missing, how if they're found, whether dead or alive, the the... Circumstances around that, not really much else it can be. And of course, as you get this topic, all kinds of other phenomena come up about balls of light. I was, well, I was going to um, say, this is what people don't, with, with, with UFOs, um, I, I was just re- seeing something somewhere, uh, might have been a documentary or something, uh, where they're saying, oh, the government is uh, withholding information about UFOs, and people are like, oh, well, well, that's ridiculous. Well, they are, but what people don't understand is they're not people people mishear that they think oh the government's not telling us about ufos because they know they're alien no the government's just withholding information because they really don't know what it is when project blue book ended which was the project in the 70s to investigate ufos they released all the information except for a couple of things not because they were alien they just didn't know what they were and they probably didn't want to say be it some kind of scary natural phenomenon or more likely uh, experimental aircraft from our enemies, like the Soviets or something like that. So when you when there's when people say there's a government covered with old information, it isn't necessarily what you think it is. The reason is it could be for some other reason. So I just wanted to clarify that. Yeah, I think a lot of it is 
they just don't want people freaking out. For whatever reason, I mean, it, it, whether it's a whether it's a Sasquatch or maybe there are some there are some serial killers out there or a group of serial killers, whatever it is, they don't want to tell anybody until they know for sure and they know what they're right. dealing. Yeah, that could it'd be as simple as that. Yeah, even as far as serial killers, I mean, they keep a lot of that undercover because I think a lot of times they they don't want people thinking, "Wow, this is the organization supposed to protect me," mm-hmm. and they have no idea. I was just going to say. If the Air yeah. Force doesn't know what these things are, well, what the hell? What kind of Air Force right. do we have? They can't identify yeah. this aircraft. Yeah. I think the difference between Sasquatch, Bigfoot, and UFOs, and they've obviously released now videos like, hey, here's here's a Navy camera. They're chasing these things. You can see it. Yeah. These things are crazy. And I think the government's like, well, it's so, it's pervaded the culture so much. It's like, there's really no holding back. We've got footage. We don't know what they are. You know, you're out there on your own. But I think when it comes to, especially the national parks, which is under the, the jurisdiction of the government, when these things are happening and they can't control it, they, they're they not going to talk about it. And they want it swept under the rug. Of course, I get asked a lot of the, the same basic questions. Why do we find a body? Blah, 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 blah. And I, and I always point to the BFRO.net FAQs, explains it all really quickly. And I'm happy to answer any questions and um well even like so in all park i was doing another hike and i jumped up on a log and and there was just a dead deer right there like on the other side so fresh or even flies and this is like mm, mid-november and i thought well that's interesting i don't know what killed it but they died so i come hiking back two weeks later and the thing's gone and it's not like gone no one came and got it you can see where this thing just was basically eaten up by the woods and the creatures, little trails, bones. Mm-hmm. And this is what happens with any creature. Have you found a bear remain? Have you found bear remains or bear skeleton? No, no. Nature just takes care of it. And um, so that body thing, I don't know. It usually comes from people who really aren't interested or really don't want to learn more about it. They just, I think people want to be comfortable and they're like, mm, they don't exist. But Well, that being so said, I, I have found uh, I found a deer skull in my back. The, the last third of my yard is woods, and like I told you before, it goes on to a big 40-acre uh, lot owned by somebody else. That, and I found a deer skull, but of course, we have thousands of deer around. Well, not thousands, but we have a lot of deer around here. I see the live ones around all the time. Yeah. So if these creatures are as scarce as you say, then well, then yeah, that would probably limit the number of potential bodies you could find. Absolutely, and um, Grover Krantz, one of the few scientists that has stepped into this field, and he did a lot of research on on the footprints, and you know he collected them. Dr. Jeff Meldrum, he's out of uh, Iowa. He's another scientist who's basically put his whole career in the line by, you know, saying yes, I believe these things are real, and he. Again, someone who collects evidence and, you know, again, it's a way of a body. I guess we won't know. But, um, Grover Krantz just by the footprints he got, he had collected, he's passed on since. And he, he put out a really great book called Bigfoot Prints. And, you know, in science, there's deduction. And when you're thinking about a species and, and how many and all their habits, there's only so much you can get by observation. You know, in Michigan, where I go to vacation, there aren't any mountain lion in the area until there are, you know, until one of the DNR investigators sees one. They get on a trail cam. But you talk to people in town, it's like mountain lion, mountain lion. There's a, a people have seen a, a puma in this little town in Michigan, like across the road. They aren't supposed to exist, right? Well, they do. All right. But no, when you look at it in terms of like bear, you know, this is a very small population that's nomadic. Typically, they travel in families or groups of families. It's very likely if you do have an encounter with one, there's another one around. If you think of it like Jurassic Park, you've got a velociraptor. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) There's likely, and they do, there's one to the side. And a lot of the sounds that are attributed to them, like whistles and wood knocks, are they're just ways of communicating. They're very strategic. They're, for the most part, don't want anything to do with us. A lot of hunters will talk about how they are escorted out of the woods. Like they'll be hunting and there'll be something like 20 yards over paralleling them that they can't see. But 
you know, obviously in two feet, making either making very little noise or making a lot of noise where they want to scare them or, or whatever. You know, they're the typical aspects of them, like the smell. There's a phenomenon where uh, an elephant and, um, and whales have this. Elephants communicate with this. It's, it's sound waves. It's ultra. Like a, oh. Like bats? Like they use radar? No, it's, yeah, no. But they have some, they have a sense. It's ultrasound, basically, I guess. That's kind of about right. Gosh, yeah. I should know this. So yeah, if you look at a lot of large, a lot of large mammals, especially, you know, elephants, they communicate with this. So basically, uh, it's something that they say they possess and could use. I'm going to get off the topic here until I, until I get the right term. I'm sorry. I'll come back to that. So. Okay. And the problem with this topic with me is it's just, it's, it's hard to like put this in like a, a linear sense of how I like to talk about this. You know, I've got my experiences. Right. So, but again, uh, as I go out more and more, you know, I do find these weird structures and I find them very remote places. They're really kind of hard to explain. You know, I, I have to like, the further out I find them, the more I can, you know, like, especially when I go, you know, like an hour into the brush you know, in Michigan, not on a trail, and I find something like this, and it's like, okay. Um, I found one at a rest stop in northern Indiana, and I was showing my wife. She's like, well, some kids obviously made this. I'm like, look at this thing. It was like, it, it would take hours. We're abutting a tree line, and if you look at, and another thing that's helped, obviously, is, you know, Google Maps. You can see, you know, water sources, you know, the woods, all this stuff. And it backs up into this basically this just wildlife area. And I'm like, you know, people stop here to take a piss and get moving. You know, if they might take a meal in maybe, eh. you know, so it's like, yeah, it's all very inconclusive, but still, but then again, it looks like something that a lot of explorers will find, you know, in very remote areas, just like it. Another thing about the structures, if you're going to go out and look for these things is, Pretty much, for the most part, and I've, this has been the case in all park, larger branches, they're snapped off, there's no bark in them, and you won't find the wood source, like it was brought in. And for the most part, everything I found in all park is like, I don't see where this is like, you know, this didn't just fall from a tree here. A lot of it is snapped. You know, I, I, w- I want to see these kids in, in Hyde Park, you know, breaking four-inch diameter branches. Um, well, you've sent me these pictures, and I'll post them on uh, the, oh, the blog post yeah. that goes along with this episode on the Cincy Shirts website. Uh, if people yeah. are curious to see the actual pictures. Are we talking, do you think, or do you know, has there been research on, is this all one creature? Is there a, a variety of creatures, perhaps? Uh, yeah. Yeah, and to back up, I, I you know, I heard, People talk about this in the singular. No, it's like saying there's one bear out there. No, this is obviously. No, I mean, as far as different species, are there like yeah. Diff- okay? Yeah, they're basically like again. If, if you if you drive around the country, Florida has what they call the skunk ape, and it's really just again because of the smell. These things are known to emit a really horrible gut wrenching odor. Very likely that they can do this on a whim. Um, again, for the most part, they want nothing to do with us. The first thing they want to do is just get us away from them. They'll put out this odor. They'll make their sounds, whatever. But the the Florida sightings are shorter. They're a little bit more auburn. They have more of a, a monkey orangutan look to them. Hmm. A lot of this makes sense. Like, you know, when you get further south, they're going to be lighter in color. Makes sense. You know, you're in a hot part of the country. The further north you get, the taller they get. But typically, what I've read and heard about, especially with this Sasquatch Chronicles website and podcast, is there are two kinds. They're the ones that look a little bit more monkey-like, and then the ones that are more upsetting to people is that how human they look, where there's, to be honest, the way to describe them, they say, you know, and use the right terms, that they look, have a look like a very... Um, elderly Native American kind of an appearance. So very humanoid, no hair on the face, not so much. But what's weird is these same creatures, though, will be seen in a group. You'll have something that's got like hair over its face, like a wolf man, 
and then ones that, that don't. If anyone has the time, they should check out the work of a guy named Todd Standing, just like it sounds. T-O-D-D, Standing, like standing up. He's a very controversial guy, but who has spent a lot of time in the Canadian outback. And he's got very, very crystal clear video, short snippets, because he's focusing in on these things. Because what they do, they're not always just walking around past us like Patty, which is the Patterson-Gimlin creature. That's how she's known. I'll get to that again in a sec. This footage is amazing. So you have people going, oh, why don't we have more footage and clear pictures and then these blob squatches? But when we do, and it's clear, people can't believe it that somebody in a suit or it's a hoax. So it's one of these things where it just, it gets really old after a while and you have to align the sources of the evidence with the actual evidence. So Todd's, I don't know how he does it, but he spends a lot of time, I mean, all his time out in, in the bush. He's got a wife and kids. He's very much aligned with people in the field who respect what he does. And when you look at what he's got on, on video, it's like, yeah, there's definitely one kind that's got all the hair of the face. And then it's got, I can see what people say when they talk about like, like, a, like an older Native American, typically an Apache tribe or uh, let me get this right. Apache, that, that nation look. And, but then it, and then you've got some weird aspects of things where they have eyes with whites in their eyes. A lot of them don't have any whites in their eyes. And so yeah, so that, so you can break it down to two different types in terms of that. But then as you go out to the parts of the country, the further north you get, the, the larger they get. Um, so speaking of Native Americans, do how far back do sightings go historically? Do we have you know, pioneers and Western Europeans who have came through these yeah. lands, or even Native Americans before them, have any record of these? These these creatures are very much aligned with our with the Native Americans, and you know, as much as I I want to say, oh, it's great that you know we've got our white explorers who came in. You know, I the Native people are are they've got this down pat. And you can see a lot of evidence in their artwork, totem poles and all that, that show these large creatures. They've kind of lived alongside them. Depending on which um, nations you talk to, they've usually got these things living nearby, and they know how to deal with them. And while they understand them probably better than we do, they, they have a very healthy respect for them, because... What it comes down to, these things are just really dangerous, large predators out there. But no, their accounts go back thousands, thousands of years, way, way back. But as soon as European sellers got in here, and you can, you know, anytime you can track any kind of media accounts or stories, um, they're all there. Uh, it's, it's, it's been going on forever. And I guess just be, because of the way media has evolved, in the last 40, 50 years, it seems more recent, but it, it's not. It's not so. Anyway, uh, what else What else can I tell you? There's so much so, to say. So in Ohio, it's known as colloquially as the grass man. Is that what we're, is that what ours that's, is? Yeah, that's uh, a lot of people out in more of the country areas called the grass man. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they're, yeah. most of the sightings in Ohio, you would say, are more to the southeast Ohio. Because growing up in northeast Ohio, I know we, we had the melon heads, which is a whole different phenomena we did not i never heard of anyone citing a, a sasquatch in northeast ohio although i did and as like you when i was a kid going watching in search of and all these you started to hear more that they weren't just out west they would occasionally turn up in the forests of the northeast or you know any other densely wooded area right right yeah in ohio definitely directly east of columbus all the way to the border uh to the southeast and less to the northeast but you've got that uh park up there near Cleveland. I forget what it's called. Just as you're driving up into Cleveland from the south. Oh, the Cuyahoga uh, National Forest. Yeah. So reports out of there, definitely. And what's odd is, as this topic comes up on national podcasts and shows, it, it's it's the Columbiana County Bigfoot Howl that, that people go, yeah, it sounds just like that. And people have said that, like, whether they're in uh, Northwest, Southwest, Canada, and this is starting to come up in 
in in Europe. There are, there are a lot of accounts of this in England and Ireland, and it's just that people's reticence to talk about it. Well, like um, we mentioned earlier, the, and I didn't realize these were possibly one and the same until I watched a thing again when I was a kid, is that they yeah. believe the uh, the so-called abominable snowman and what we call Sasquatch are probably related. That term actually was applied to Bigfoot in America uh, pre-50s, and when, but when the Yeti popped up, it started being attributed to that, and I'm not really sure why. Uh, the term abominable, but um, um, yeah. So Grassman, Corn Monster, uh, Skunk Ape. Skunk Ape. I like Skunk Ape. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess considering, you know, since he's since he shirts, we should keep this more Ohio-based. Sure, so, sure. Um, well, we also have a sister the, site, so it would be interesting to see people in other parts of the country, uh, oh. what kind of phenomenon they have. What was the other question I had related to this as far as the – oh, as far as, you know, when people say, well, why haven't we seen one yet? You know, on the one hand, I get it because we're still discovering new species all the time and even big ones, but those are mostly found in the ocean. And I guess the, right. and but the other side of that, of course, is well, we don't live in the ocean, and the Earth is three fourths ocean, so that makes more sense. We're on the land, we're on a lot of the land, uh, so it would it seem that we would have gotten more solid evidence of this. But like, but then again, you never know because the woods are bigger than you think, people. They're bigger than you think, and they don't have to be that big. This is where a lot of people are starting to look closer around them. Like, no, you don't have to get in the car and drive two hours to, you know, some immense wilderness. Um, and it, that evidence of that is Salt Fork Lake. Apparently, a lot of people are tidings up there just hiking around. And again, if you've got a big water source and you've got to the east of that this corridor of just woods, forests, pastures, and farms. And again, the farmers, they're the ones with reports like, they'll see these things step over a barbed wire fence pick up their goats and walk away. They've gone in the barns and surprised them and had encounters there. It's the down earth people like farmers, not to say all farmers are down to earth, you know, out of the land, uh, but you know, <laughs> that's a hard job. Um, people who hunt all the time, you know, it's, they're out there putting the time in. The hunter stories are, are amazing. The ones I hear because typically You've got, you know, they know what hunters are doing. Hunters are, and they know what guns are. There's just some really scary stories around that, but, you know, it's, it's just amazing when I hear these encounters and you've got these guys and they're talking about how, well, you know, they talk about their counter and they've never gone back in the woods. They've given up hunting. Oh, wow. Because, because it's like you've got an eight to ten foot tall predator who could just basically and the speed of these things is something else I'm learning about from the more I read and listen to podcasts, which is odd because you think something so big would move so fast, but again and again, and it's why people, think, why did you get a picture of it? Why did you take a shot at it? And people are so unnerved when they have an encounter. The last thing to think about is taking a picture or even some of these hunters have like gotten these things in their sights, like trying to check out what that is in the ridge. When they see these things and just see how kind of human-like they are, they can't pull the trigger or uh. they see the way these things move. And it's like, it, I hear again and again, it's like, this thing could have had me any time I wanted me and just ripped my head off. It's really scary. And I think this is, again, why the government, the parks, they're trying to keep this as underground as possible because they, they really have no control over these things. And they're... Plenty of stories of people who work for the Park Service who have been involved in the capture of some of these. Um, again, it's always these deathbed confessions. You know, when you, when you hear these these accounts, I don't know. It's 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 amazing. But um, yeah, uh, there, there's a guy I'm fortunate to align with. He's out of New England. His name is Chris Noel, like Christmas Noel. And somehow I got connected with him when he was trying to develop his brand and. Being a, a marketing writer, we somehow got connected. And his whole approach is where he lives in New England is he's got acres and acres and acres of forests kind of sequestered in between these different towns with a quarter that leads out to a larger wildlife area. And if you look up Chris's 
channel on YouTube, just called Impossible Visits. He does a really great job of profiling his experiences. He's extremely intelligent. He's got his, his theories are things, but he spent the time out there, especially uh, gathering recordings. You know, the things he hears and the structures he finds, and uh, it's just, uh, it, it's it's hard to discount for anything else than being a uh, Sasquatch. And uh, it's often been said, like, you know, if you're a skeptic, if you've got your questions, spend two or three months really investigating this. And you're going to be really surprised. And if you look at it as a science, like anything else, and, and like you said, yeah, there are new species being discovered all the time. Tiny little frog, tiny little deer, blah, 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 things in the ocean. I think people have a hard time realizing there's something this big that's quote-unquote undiscovered. But then you've got people like Les Stroud, Survivor Man, you said his own encounters. You've got um, uh, the famous primatologist uh, Jane Goodall. She's pretty much said, yeah, she's on board with the whole thing. As someone who's spent time with large primates, and people always think of her as someone who's like, just went in and sat down and they gathered around her. She dealt with some really scary stuff in trying to get close to these gorillas and chimps and whatnot. In all likelihood, she should have been dead by now, but she has lucked out. Yeah. So, yeah. So her respect for this is what's kept her alive and helped her to learn a lot. And she's, you know, she won't say a lot about the topic, but she's on board. There's no reason to believe with the evidence that these things don't exist. You know, and yeah. we've got tons of evidence. We've got footprints, tracks with the dermal ridges that show, you know, look at your fingers right now. They show up. Uh, we've had our hoaxers, but the, the idea that this is all a hoax is so much more preposterous than the idea that it's just actually happening. And if we all look around, you know, where we live in Ohio, you know, we see turkey buzzards everywhere. We've got river otter coming back. I've got three hawks in my neighborhood. I live across from Cincinnati, uh, a little town called Bellevue. Yeah. And, and I've been asked, well, why do you think they're in all park? I'm like, when they could be wherever they're at. And said, I really don't know. I don't know why there's so many structures there. And I can't attribute these all to kids. And I found my footprint. To me, it's like you've got this park just flush with deer. And you've got these things that can travel a long way in like one night they're just big they've got all the strength and i think it's like a buffet hmm. it's like you know they make this part of their their path in and out of the little miami corridor yeah um and there's so much that this even happened on the bfro.net when i was listening to southwatch chronicles i've heard three different encounters from people who live near east fork lake who had their own encounters just driving on route 32 they know what they saw. They've seen what they've seen. A lot of people don't want to believe this, but when they, a lot of people won't say that we're big for the Sasquatch, but they'll say, I saw something. Yeah. You know, la, 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 la. And it's like, obviously what they're saying, but they don't want to say it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe it helps that I'm in the creative field. I'm, I have no problem. If anyone wants to ask me, I'll tell them, yeah. you know, but I don't suffer fools. I don't, if someone's not serious about it, I just check on the, the, the conversation. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So, well, I think that's yeah. a good place to, uh, to leave it there. We learned a lot. Uh, the only thing we have left to do here is, um, like I said, I'll take those pictures you've sent me before and put them on our, uh, the, the blog for Cincy shirts, but, uh, we need to get to a coupon code here real quick. So you remember this yeah. one before, uh, you, you pick the coupon code. Listeners will save 20% off their next Cincy shirts or old school shirts.com order. So what would you like that code to be, Greg? Ohio. How Ohio, how H O W. Yeah. All right. Sounds yeah, good. It's funny. I know we're ending things, but I have some specific things I wanted to talk about and like lead people to, but anyone who wants to explore this more, um, they can, I don't even giving out my, giving out my, uh, email address. I don't know if you want to be mentioned in here, PF or sure. just want to post it. You can. Yeah. I've got an actual professional email address, but that's probably the best way. Actually, you go to Greg, G R E G G at gregmartini.com. Happy to direct you any sources, but anything I've talked about, these things don't just stop at Cincinnati, Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, so much going on. So it's, if you've got time, you want to get into it. It's a really interesting topic. 
I think people go, why are you into this? I'm like, you know, there's so much we can get into. We can watch all these shows, streaming this, streaming that, talk about this or that. And, you know, the rhetoric of today is so much discord. But it's like, I think it's just fascinating that we've got, obviously, a very close species to us, living so close, right next to us, very intelligent. Something we need to be aware of because of the, I'll say danger, but older than anything that has lived on this continent. And, uh, it's just, why wouldn't you want to know more about it? Exactly. Yep. Fascinating stuff. Well, great, man. We'll appreciate you doing this, uh, on sort of short notice. And, uh, I'm sure we'll talk again and have you back on to delve into this even further. Yeah, I appreciate having me on, and I can bring my uh, my cohort Betsy on with me, and Great. I can get to some of the stuff we didn't mention. So um, perfect, yeah. Thank you, sure. appreciate it. Right. Yeah, thanks, Greg. Bye bye. All right, thank you. Greg Martini, I'm still a little skeptical, but I'm a little less skeptical. I was, uh, of course, saying in the interview that we discover new species all the time. Now, granted, these are smaller species, uh, usually reptiles. Uh, Not often do we find mammals, and certainly not mammals that are the size, purportedly, of Bigfoot. But there's an ancient species of man that was only discovered in 2010. Now, of course, long extinct. But the fossils were just sitting there, and we know frustratingly little about them. It's, now, they're called the Denisovans, Denisovans, uh, probably more learned uh, listeners out there will know the proper pronunciation. But uh, it's a species of ancient man that they only discovered in 2010. So, who knows? But now let's get to that sound clip that I was telling you about at the beginning of the show that Greg sent. This is on the website bfro.net. You can look up for all your Bigfoot hunting information. And it was purportedly recorded in 1994 in Columbiana County by Matt Moneymaker. To give you an idea where Columbiana County is, I believe it's the first county south of Youngstown. And it's where the river, Ohio River, cuts up over and then goes into Pennsylvania. Actually, it comes out of Pennsylvania because it flows that way. But that's generally the area that we're talking about. And uh, the guy that recorded it, uh, Mr. Moneymaker, knows that you're going to hear two sounds. You're going to hear a dog barking, which is a neighbor's dog on the property where this was recorded, likely responding to this howl. And the other sound, of course, is the howl. Let's hear it. What do you reckon? All right, like I said, you can go to bfro.net and all the other sources that Greg mentioned and maybe doing a little exploring yourself here once we get past the cicadas. Now, be sure to tell friends and loved ones about this show, including folks who may no longer live in the area but still feel connected to the tri-state. If you haven't already, check out the Cincy Shirts podcast archives, of course, from baseball great Johnny Bench to actress Amy Yasbeck. Uh, Greg's first appearance on the show is back there, Ronnie Salerno, uh, who who've just had tons and tons of great people on the show. I think you'll enjoy each and every one of them. Uh, find vintage Oh, uh, today's show is produced by me, with help from Josh and Darren, I should let you know. Our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing. They're from Philadelphia, and you can find their music in iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your music. Find vintage tees from great places like Boston, Phoenix, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Louisville, Seattle, Philadelphia, and a whole lot more at OldSchoolShirts.com. Same mix as we have here at Cincy Shirts. Uh, defunct sports teams, old restaurants, old malls, old stores, things like that. Like Cincy Shirts, but for those towns. And again, the promo code for this episode is Ohio How. That's the state of Ohio, then H-O-W, all one word, all lowercase, all uppercase. That part doesn't matter. And you can use that to take 20% off your entire CincyShirts.com or OldSchoolShirts.com order. Or you can come into our physical store and over the Rhine and Hyde Park and use that to take 20% off your entire purchase. I believe you can use that even if you go to OTR and have a shirt printed right on the on the spot, which we do now. You can either 
pick one out of our catalog from any of our sites, by the way, not just Cincy shirts, but old school, in the clutch, fluffy crate. You can pick any design, have them print it, or you can bring in a file of your own, and as long as it isn't like proper filth or violates a copyright, we'd be more than happy to print that for you as well. And you can use the podcast code to save yourself 20%. How about that? Follow our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat for the latest Cincy shirts news. Tell your friends about the show. Give us a good review wherever you get the podcast from. And as always, download or stream us next time. Bye.